Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Ocean Protect Podcast. Talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect. Committed to change. Hey, Brad. <laughs> Welcome. Um, mate, I'll, I'll throw this one over to you. Who have we got today? I'm always excited, but I'm really, really, really super excited today. We have an incredible guest. There's been a, a lot of news attention around this next guest. He's an individual called Daryl Blatchley. Look, he's described in the news as a biologist and a bone collector. He runs a um, the D-Bone Collector Museum in the Philippines. But what he's got a lot of attention for recently is actually doing a um, essentially opening up the stomach of of a whale that has been washed up on a Philippines beach with 40 kilos of plastic in its stomach. Look, I don't want to go any, any well, more and, detail. And it's also gone around the world. Oh, yeah. Look, articles in ABC News, NBC News, Huffington Post, you name it, and someone's talking about it. Let's be real. Um, I will, uh, will give credit where credit's due. Brad reached out as soon as he saw I posted something on social media. He went, bugger it. I'm just going to contact the guy. He's come back within a day. We're now oh. about to give him a podcast. You know, he's been great. Brad, you jumped on it, and look, I can't believe we're about to speak to this. Look, I saw your post on LinkedIn. I said to him, this, this guy would be a fantastic guest. I messaged him via Facebook, and within five minutes he got back to me oh, saying, mate, yeah, I'm, awesome. I'm keen to do a podcast interview. And here we are, here mate, we what, are. three hours later? Yep, this is true. With so the machine with that, ready to go? Yeah, and we've never done this live, so we're going to ring him in. Hello? Daryl, it's Brad Dalrymple yeah. from Ocean Protect. How are you? Doing good, doing good. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on the Ocean Protect podcast. It's incredible uh, an opportunity to actually talk to someone who actually does the work that you do and sort of does such an amazing job in sort of highlighting the pressures that are uh, facing our our marine mammals. And you have got a lot of media attention just in the last few days. I'm sure you're aware of it. There's articles in NBC News, uh, Huffington Post, uh, all our sort of major media outlets in Australia. It's a lot of attention. And you're the guy being cited and quoted, but I guess what's probably the most alarming is the footage that you have actually shown, certainly to us, of the, I think you call it, is it a ne- necropsy? Necropsy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, look, let's take it back to Friday morning. Last Friday morning, you get a phone call. Actually, it would have been Saturday, Saturday so, for our time here. Right. So, yeah, yeah sorry. Because I wrote the, I wrote the write-up on that because I we had been up until 4 o'clock Sunday morning doing the necropsy. So when I finally did the write-up, I had not slept for going on 24 plus hours. My goodness. So when I did the write-up, it was an accident on the write-up. By the time everything was released, it was like, oops, one day off. So, so you get but a phone. The animal, the animal had stranded on Friday. Right. So so take us back from the very beginning. How were you made aware of, okay. of this whale? 
Okay, the museum, the Bone Collector Museum, the one that um, I founded back in, we founded it in 2011. It opened in 2012. But before that, I had been recovering the dead whales and dolphins as well as the live ones for here in the Davao Gulf because at the time when my wife and I moved back to the Philippines in 2008, nothing was being done with the dead whales and dolphins. It was either being chopped up and eaten by the locals, burned on site, or buried. And it was literally nobody cared to find out, number one, what species it was. And number two, why it even died. And for me, that was, it was a, you know, why did it die? I want to know why it died. So we were recovering them and then we worked with the local government to say, hey, you know, we will go in and dispose of these animals for you just so that nobody else is eating it or getting souvenirs from it. Make us your official one to go in and recover it. So we did, we've been doing it for the last 10 years. And then only within the last two years or three years, the Bureau of Fisheries and Aquatic Resources, I don't know if it would be out of embarrassment or what, they finally made their own quick response team to actually go out and start doing the recoveries because they had budgets for it and everything, but you know, if somebody else is doing it for free, let them do it kind of deal. But the, the I guess the biggest hurdle or whatever, the biggest um, drawback was it seemed to be a conflict of interest maybe for some people to see us helping live animals and then it would die and they go, Oh, it's just dying because it's going to the museum. That's not oh. why we were doing the recoveries. You know, wow. it's less than 2% of these stranded animals ever survive internationally. So it, it wasn't, it was a given that the animal is going to die. We never, you know, made it happen. We've had several that we've been able to release. So they contacted us Saturday morning saying, Hey, you know, the curvy or beak whale stranded on Friday. We've been working with it for the last 24 hours. We don't think it's going to survive. It won't float upright. It, it won't when we push it out to the water. It just sinks. It doesn't even try swimming and it's vomiting blood. So we don't think it's going to survive. So, you know, we need to have your equipment. It's too big for our vehicle. They have a, uh, like a little van kind of vehicle that would not be able to fit a 4.69 meter whale that weighed over 500 kilos. We have a, um, <laughs> kind of proud of it. It's a Toyota Mega Cruiser that we have um, outfitted out for a disaster rescue vehicle for whales and dolphins as well as for natural disasters. And then we have a 17-foot trailer that we pull behind it for recovering whales. Mm. Is, that, is that the one that we can see uh, in uh, the footage that's around? Is it actually on the trailer? Yeah, it's on the trailer. Oh, cool. So, wow. so you rock up and this whale has already deceased or is it? Yes, yes. Yeah. We, no, uh, the, we re recover when we got, they contacted us at 11 o'clock in the morning. And the first they contacted us at 6 a.m. saying, get ready for the whale. We don't mm. think it's going to survive. And then at 11, they gave us a call back and said, the whale died at 1030. Go ahead and start coming out here. The whale is deceased now. It's about a two hour drive from mm. our museum to get to the location along the Davao Gulf. So by the time we got there, you know, the whale's floating in the water. It's a mangrove swamp slash rocky shore area because it's a fishing village in the middle of a mangrove swamp. But they have a concrete seawall because they've built out into the mangrove swamp. So you have to lift this 500 kilo, 4.6 meter animal up over a meter high to get it onto the vehicle. So we had to back the trailer up, make a makeshift ramp with bamboo and wood and stuff like that. And basically with 10 people, heave ho, heave ho, you know, pull it up as far as possible and then use the vehicle to pull it up even more. Daryl, I noticed in some of the photos, it looks like there's some locals around. Were they getting involved in helping? I mean, um, mean, through your efforts over there and and raising awareness, I I, I can sort of imagine that a lot of people would be trying to help you in, in your research and what you're doing. 
it's a mix sometimes. Sometimes they're upset that, hey, I should be able to consume this meat. You know, this animal was oh. given to us by God. It washed up on our beach. It's free 500 kilos of meat. In other areas, they want to know why it died as well because they start to feel bad because we've been teaching them, you know, these animals are basically the reflection of how well you've taken care of your ocean. And that's your real interest, isn't it? Like you're keen to know why yeah. this animal died. So tell me how you go yes, about actually I mean, determining the cause of death. Okay. Um, if basically we bring it to the museum here, we have a second and a third party so that nobody can say, okay, they're planting the plastic in these animals. The really? second party would be the, yes. So, <laughs> because <laughs> with this media, with this media coverage, everybody's like, oh, you're just trying to outdo the last guy that had, you know, five kilos of plastic, you know, but unfortunately 40 kilos will not be the max. Somebody's going to pop up with a sperm whale that, you know, swallow the car almost, you know, yeah, it, it will continue to get worse. And you can, you know, I can, I, I, I strongly believe you because it's only the next person to find a, a whale like that. So yeah. anyway, carry on, mate. This is gripping. Yeah. So, um, we bring, we bring it to our facilities. The third party was not available. It's a professor from one of the universities here. He is a marine biologist that does plastic garbage research. He's written, seven, I think five to seven scientific papers on marine animals dying within the double Gulf because of plastic garbage. But the only way he's been able to write those papers is coming to our facilities and do watching us do the necropsies because wow. really nobody else is doing it. Wow. So our area has the highest reports of it because everywhere else they bury it. So, so was, it yeah. doesn't mean that we have the highest. It just means we find out why. Yeah, and you're the one that's talking about it, and everything else has been hidden. That's that's extraordinary. Yeah. So you're the, to determine that cause of death. So I'm guessing you, there is an investigation. You actually have to open the belly of the whale. Yes, we we start to know. The first thing that we noticed was number one is highly emaciated. Um, the ribs were starting to show through the skin. I mean, when I say the ribs are showing through, that doesn't mean they're poking out of the skin and you're seeing blood. It's just the ribs are starting to mm. protrude. It's so skinny mm. that you can see the defined backbone. You oh, can see the gosh. defined ribs. The head is starting to be shrunken in, oh, which means dear. that this animal has been starving for a while. You're thinking of a, you know, a whale that has almost uh, two centimeters of blubber. It should be you know fat and robust looking, but this animal's shrunken in. Yeah, the I, eyes are shrunken in. They're not, they're not flush with the way they should be. They're starting to sink in. It's not looking the way it should be. I I read that you you know believe that you know this this animal has been starving for months, even possibly years, with how much plastic. Yes. It's, oh my god! Because other cases that we found animals with plastic in it, the plastic is somewhat fresh. I mean, you wash it off, and it still looks like it just came out of the grocery store. Some of the plastic in this whale's stomach, we have left it as is because it's literally as hard as like a, a cricket ball. Yeah. Oh my goodness! It's shocking. We start to open up the stomach, but the first thing that we notice is it's severely emaciated. You see the ribs mm. protruding, you see the backbone protruding, but it looks like it's pregnant. My wife's going, "Hun, I think this animal's pregnant because the belly's all swollen as it's laying on its side. And, you know, we're thinking, okay, it's a female. The veterinarian told us it was a female. I didn't go down to the nether regions and check to see if it was a female. We just looked at it, no tusks. Okay, we write it off as a female. That's why in the videos even, we're saying, you know, this poor, you know, this poor beauty, you know, she's, you know, it's bad, she's dead. And then later on, we, when we got further down, we find out that it's got a testicles. We're like, oh, wait a minute. Why has it got testicles but no tusks? Then we do a little research. We contact our, our friends that are experts in beaked whales, and they say it has to be five meters or larger before it starts having tusks. 
sort of like, okay, now we have a juvenile male because even as many as whales as we've worked with, I'm not the expert when it comes down to each particular species. That's why I tap the experts for their specialty animals as well. Wow. So it's a, it's a young male whale with 40 kilos. Yes. And yet when they're, when they're born, though, they're about eight feet long. So this yeah. one at 15 feet long, it is twice as big as what it was when it was born lengthwise, but it only weighs 500 kilos. Mm. I mean, this animal should have been at least seven to 800 kilos mm. for its size. So as we start to open up the stomach, the first thing that on a starved animal, imagine a balloon where you push it and it, it collapses in. That's what a starved animal's stomach is like. With yeah. this one, the, the stomach was the size of two basketballs, and it was hard. So yeah. I look at the veterinarian, and I say, because the veterinarian up until this one never likes to rule the cause of death as death by plastic. It's several other factors. That's the way they label it is. There's several factors that led up to the death. Um, uh-huh. To put it in layman's terms, it'd be like saying if you get shot in the head with a gun, you didn't die because of the gunshot. You died because your brains came out. That's the way they want to medically term it. And I'm just like, no, he died because he got shot in the head. Well, Daryl, can I just jump in and go, well, what's driving that? Is this, is this political? Are you saying that, 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 that people are afraid to speak out about it? Yes, because if this country is labeled as number three for the whole world oh, yeah, for plastic yeah, garbage yeah. pollutants, I'm the white guy. I don't, I'm not from this country. Yeah, yeah, and I so get you. I'm and the I, one opening their dirty laundry. And I know I know the political system uh, where you are, so I understand. So I I have people. my staff right now. Our manager is writing a letter for the mayor of the city who is the daughter of the president to say, "Hey, I'm sorry if I have offended the city, but we have been saying this for years. This needs to change. Your father, the president, has been shutting down resorts because they have not been taking care of their environment. Let's set the standard, use this whale as the standard and say our whale, our oceans are in bad condition. We need to change. So let's take a bad thing and turn it into a positive spin. The Philippines realizes we're dirty. We're changing. Leave it at that. But to try to sweep it literally under the rug and say, no, 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 no. We're just going to squish the issue that doesn't fix the problem. Well, Daryl, I can be safe to say, um, with the amount of attention that you have captured globally, you are going to make a difference here, mate, because one way or another, this has gone globally. Everyone's Googling who you are. And I think finally with the efforts that you've been obviously doing for a long time, it's going to make a difference and it's going to force a hand. So look, it's going to be a bumpy ride for you, but I think you, you've started the catalyst. But anyway, mate, I'm, we're done, I mean, obviously. This is, yeah, it's yeah, an incredible story. We're done with it, want this whale to die in vain. But and getting back to so you getting back to the necropsy, so you you obviously it's got a, a hard mass around its belly. Yes, and, and my the, when we when we perform necropsies as much as possible, my sons are sitting there watching because my sons are eight years old and nine years old. Sadly for them, they have seen more dead whales than they've seen alive. But they are the next generation. They're the ones that will carry this torch. And either say, I saw whales when I was a kid, or because of what my father did and pushing everybody, we still have whales. Mm -hmm. That's the only way it's going to happen. As we open up the the first stomach chamber and literally poof, this plastic literally just just pushing its way out because it's stretched so tight. I I look at the uh, the, the veterinarian. So before we open it, I, I cut a little slit. And I put my finger in there and immediately I know what I'm feeling. And I say, okay, let's, uh, let's have a little discussion on this. In fact, 
what we released for the media was literally less than 1% of the videos and the pictures that we took. I will be sending you guys more clips of it. The one video that we had to cut down for minute 37 was 31 minutes of pulling garbage out. We have a show here in Davos City called Detour. It's only shown on two different channels in this island, which frustrates me because the owners of those channels don't want to share or to allow other people to use the, the, the videos we've done because, oh, it's exclusive for us. My frustration with that is it doesn't affect the masses. It doesn't get out to where it needs to be for people to start making changes. When we first started releasing the, the video clips and the pictures on Sunday, it was one of the, one of the groups asked for exclusive rights and they offered us $75 to only release the information to them. We kind of laughed and we're like, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you've had an amazing response um, around the world. I mean, you must be shocked by the media attention that you've got thus far or not. Is this just another day at the office for you? Uh, this We've gotten media attention before, but I have to say without a doubt, this is by far the the most. I mean, the, my friend this afternoon, he texted me and he goes, um, type in whale, plastic, and Blatchley on Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, go- I Google my name because for the museum on a <laughs> weekly basis, just to make sure, you know, nothing defamation of character yeah. or whatever. But type in whale, plastic, and garbage, and it is, I was going, oh, wow. Um, you know the, the song you want to you wanna be on the cover of Forbes magazine? <laughs> yeah. Well, we made Forbes. <laughs> Why do you think this time has got more media attention than previously? Social media is growing. Yeah. The contact factor to be able to contact people, that's growing. The interest of every time a whale has died, it it's upped the interest. But the sad thing is, it ups it for three, four days. Like mm. the first two days, I was up until 4 a.m. answering emails. Mm. Now I get 50 emails versus 100 emails. Wow. So it's like it's it's waning off, which means that people are like, okay, we've heard that. Let's go to the next story. Yeah, and, and, and do you know what? You've hit the nail on the head. I mean, where we're coming from with Ocean Protect is, is we, we're about where is this pollution coming from? So and unless it's in the media, unless it's cool, they, they, you know, they have a wee stab and talk about it for a couple of days, but then they just turn a blind eye and go to the next story. Don't they? Yeah. So um, the, we're here you, to help you guys have seen that in Australia just from yeah. last week. Yeah. The incident that happened, you know, next door to you guys, your next door neighbor, due to something tragic because of somebody from your country, we don't, we don't even need to talk about it, but it's mm. just, it's showing, you know, how everybody talks about it and then next subject, basically. Mm. Daryl, um, yeah, I was born in Christchurch, so uh, I've lived there for 20 years of my life before coming over to Australia, so I know uh, exactly what you're saying. Um, you know, the coverage is, is huge, but then around the world and, and certainly locally it disappears, but whether it's Christchurch or Denver or this whale or, you know, it's about media attention and, and, and what's hot, what are people going to click on? And, you know, but in this case though, in this case, it actually affects the way we look at our planet with the, with the media attention ones with what happened in Christchurch and everything like that. It grabs their attention for a little while, but it doesn't really affect them unless they're religious or whatever. In this case, this affects the very planet we are living on. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and 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 they don't have a voice. 
you know. So yeah. people like you and uh, and and us, we're, we're we've got to speak for them. If, if Wales had a voice, if the ocean had a voice, <laughs> yeah. I, this is a, and, a, a, a oh my goodness! And if, that, if they had a voice, every human would be in jail. And, oh yeah, and exactly. these mammals, these highly intelligent social beings, suffer the most painful and horrendous and torturous deaths. Not it's not just a, a one or two day you know, tragedy, uh, it's it's yeah. suffering over an extended period of time, like you said, months, if not years. Um, but getting back to the the video footage, so I've had the uh, – look, I've, I've seen some of the footage that you've um, put on your Facebook page and sent to us directly, which is – it's mind blowing. It's gruesome. It's it's everything. Uh, but look for the people who may not want to actually watch it themselves, or may not have the opportunity to watch it. That thirty one minutes of footage. Can you can you sort of give us a a summary of what you're actually showing? What do you what do you actually find, or what would you see in that? What we're minutes? what we're showing is a a beautiful whale that only hours before had died, and yet literally, as you pull one plastic bag out. It's still attached basically because it's so compacted. It's attached to the bag that's still inside the stomach. So it's like pulling dental floss, the plastic bags, just one bag after another, after another. And you open up the bag and like some of them are just your regular grocery style size bags. Others are as big as sheets. Yeah. Look the- and so you open this bag and you're like, how in the, why in the world did this animal even eat this? But then you start finding squid beaks mixed in amongst everything. Mm. Now, the squid beaks are made out of carotene, basically the same thing as our fingernails. So it should be able to, or it's similar to gel once it breaks down. So it would digest those squid beaks. But because the squid beaks are mixed in with all the plastic and everything, it hasn't even been able to digest it. But squid beaks that would have been from squid a meter to two meters long. Mm. So you're looking at going, why would it eat this plastic? Then you find it's real food, you know, the squids, and you're going, ah, it's the same size, same shape as it's floating in the ocean. You know, people are saying, oh, you know, it looks like a jellyfish. No, it looks like a squid when it's floating in the ocean. So essentially the whale has a hard time, and a lot, lot, a lot of marine species, they have a hard time distinguishing between plastic and essentially real food. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, it, it would literally be trying to take an outline of our food, do a black and white outline of your food. All you get is a silhouette. French fry or an earthworm. If you eat the wrong one, you know, too bad. Take a cow pie and a hamburger. It looks like the same outline. And you don't get to bite it and taste it. You have to eat the whole thing. You're committed once you take that first bite. Yeah. And so, so that would be the best way to do it for a human one is do a bunch of black and white silhouettes, food or not food, and do a yeah. game like that. And, you know, if you eat one of them wrong, you're dead. So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, it's, Really mixes it up. Wow, it's it's Russian roulette of the water, really, isn't and, it? And the sheer quantity of plastic, like you, you it's a roughly forty kilograms of plastic found yeah. in this one male juvenile whale. And so, can, can you give an idea of actually what the plastic was, like what constitutes sixteen rice sacks? Yeah. Now, I don't. I mean. Australia doesn't consume as much rice as we do here, but it would be like a potato sack. It's two feet by three feet. Yeah. Wow. And, and and what uh going going a step further, Daryl, what do you you know, what did you find? Local stuff, you know, what type of plastic surely you'd be able it to It was all recognize? it was all local stuff. There was only two of them that had names that were able to trace it back to the stores. The two stores, one was from Cebu and the other one's from Iloilo Island, both are not right next to this island. You gotta travel 
um, I think 300, 400 miles away to get to it. Yeah. So, so this whale has gone through the islands to get to here. So, so there's about 16 rice sacks or similar to potato sacks, two or three feet wide and long. And then you've got a whole bunch of plastic bags from various grocery shops uh, from in and around yes. the Philippines. And then some plastic nylon rope, some uh, what they call tie box, which is like an even lighter nylon rope. And then you got your chip bags. It's just all the kind of bags that will be floating up on the surface. Yeah. Because once this animal first gets its first piece of plastic, that plastic starts to block the intestines. Now, in layman's terms, the way that works is from the food that they eat is where they get their nutrition and they get their hydration. If their stomach is plugged up with the plastic, then they don't get the food going into their intestines is where the food's breaking down, becoming the hydration and the nutrition for the animal. First piece of plastic blocks up the intestines a little bit. So it's still getting a little bit of nutrition. It's kind of going in a little bit, but it's not going in as much as it needs. So the animal becomes weaker, being less hydrated. The weaker it becomes, it's not going to dive as deep in the ocean to look for its food. It's going to start being surface level hunting. The surface is where even more plastic is. And when everything on the surface is floating that looks like food, it attacks that, it swallows it, and it compounds even more. It becomes weaker. So the more plastic it eats, the weaker it becomes, the less likely it'll find its proper food. So obviously it can, it can only, it's with its stomach getting more and more plastic in it, its ability to take in more and more food, just the size of the stomach just essentially, or its digestive system decreases. Can you give me a, yeah. an idea of the, the, the pain that these animals must be in? Like I can imagine if I had a lump of plastic in my belly, it would be yeah, horrendous. Yeah, imagine not being able to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, this, the intestines, you know, 60 meters or not, the 60 plus feet of intestines, the size of your finger, but it was all swollen up and gassy because it has so much stomach acid. Imagine heartburn and stomach acid and constipated and you just can't go. And just, just the footage, like the, the, like you said, the rice sacks and the plastic bags that you pull out of these, uh, the, the whale's stomach, they're essentially still in their full form. They really haven't broken down or anything like that. It's it's no. very distinguishable. The plastic does not break down. Yeah. The plastic will not break down. Its stomach cannot digest the plastic. Well, I mean, and, and that's a lot like any mammals. And, you know, yeah. if, if you eat plastic, yeah. you know, you're going to get, you know, you won't be able to shit for a week, you know. like um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dog poops out plastic lucky. bags every now and then when he gets in the garbage can. Yeah. yeah there you go. It just goes straight well, through. Well, so. well so, so obviously Philippines have a massive, is a massive problem of uh, uh, plastic in their oceans is that is that like I haven't yes, actually been to Philippines yes, myself yeah it's it bases partially down to self discipline mm. canals rivers and ocean are seen as a garbage can wow not as bad as China not as bad as Indonesia but literally you can follow rich people's vehicle and they just throw the garbage out the window like it's somebody else's problem so essentially litter and plastic is just typically just discarded on the ground and then just. Yes. Washes into the creeks and rivers and bays and oceans. Yes. I can literally walk across the street from the museum, across the street, less than 10 meters away, and take a picture of a canal that you can almost walk on top of it because it's full of plastic garbage. And, is that and the- yet this museum is number one for tourist attraction for the city, and yet across the street is a garbage river. That is unbelievable. Like, like we've seen this footage, Daryl, from all around the world, but, you know, to have your museum there and for people, you know, to come there, and this is a tourist attraction, it must and it's just, just sitting there. there. M- this plastic pollution must be horrendously impacting on the local tourism industry of the Philippines. No, it, no, he just said it was the most – Yes. But, 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 but you said it's a tourist attraction. What is it from 
from what Westerners or from locals to the museum? From all over the world. Oh, the no. museum in 2017 was awarded the number two museum for the whole country. Out of thousands of museums, we made number two. But, and obviously, a lot of tourists go to the Philippines, and obviously, the tourism industry would be yes. fairly significant there. Um, when, when we say it's tourists coming to the Philippines for our city, when we see a single white male, doesn't matter where he's from, he's usually got a uh, 19 or 20 year old little <laughs> lovely lady beside him. And uh, you can see the uh, suntan line where his ring should be. <laughs> wow. Well, we've both never been to How does this plastic pollution, how would how do you, would you envision yeah, he's this? He's like a changing topic. Yeah, changing yeah. Okay, quickly moving on. <laughs> yeah. How how would you how would you estimate like surely the the amount of plastic in your marine and uh, marine environment must impact on the local economy? Is that is that a fair call? It, yes, because when, when when the plastic garbage goes in the canal, here's the here's the biggest thing: the plastic garbage goes in the canal, and then if the canal is a smaller one, half a meter in diameter, and it rains then that plastic is going to get plugged up and start causing flooding. Mm. When it causes flooding, then you have damage to home, damage to vehicles. So you have the, the monetary damage right there. When you start having flooding because of the overfilled canals, those canals also contain everybody's excess septic tank water. When your septic tank overfills in this country, the excess part of it goes straight to those canals. Okay, mm. so... When that canal floods up, you're walking through your septic water, mm. as well as all of the dirty water from all of the car washes, all of the restaurants that sell deep fried chickens, they dump their oil into those canals. Those canals then go to the ocean, and then you have all of the rats that live in the canals. So though the rats that are pooping and peeing are causing leptopyrosis. So it goes from a monetary damage, a house damage, or a you know, a actual, you know, building damage. Then you start having the health hazards that come with it, as well as you got to repair the roads that get flooded out and washed out because of the flooding. And then everybody blames the government that, oh, you didn't do anything good for flood prevention. So the government goes in and rips up the roads and puts in one meter to two meter canals, you know, the, the round culverts to be able to help control the flood problem. Then the people go, oh, wow, it'll flush out even more plastic rubbish. So they throw more of it in there and then repeat the cycle. <sighs> wow. Wow. So the solution to this plastic pollution problem is often to dig the canal a little bit deeper so it doesn't flood so much. Yeah, that's the solution. Instead of literally smacking the person upside the head with a cricket bat for throwing the garbage, it's let's make the, the culvert and the canal bigger. Yeah, see, Daryl, where, I guess, where, you're, where we come from and, um, and, and stormwater runoff is, you know, you take it to a city, a highly urbanised area, we, uh, well, I'm from Sydney. Um, when it rains in a highly urbanized area, it, that energy out of the rainwater, as you know, mobilizes the, the, you know, the city's pollution. And look, let's face it, even in Sydney, people pollute everywhere. So what, you know, it's, it's obviously a different culture, but people still pollute. And what we are seeing and have seen for 20 years is the amount of pollution coming off our cities when in our Western culture here, Look, you know, people are pretty good with litter, but I just can't imagine yep. being where you are because it's a way of life. Just throw it out everywhere. And the government are just, as you say, digging bigger swales and making it go out faster. I mean, you guys don't even have a stormwater dedicated network to be able to stop it no. and take it out. Like, I mean, because I mean, you're, you're from no, the No, it States. just goes straight. 
It literally goes straight. The most frustrating thing is the same canal that's in front of the museum. In 2012, we had a um, Riso dolphin that died here. And so I had a feeling it died because of plastic. So we put it aside because we figured we'd, we had some filming to do with the local channel that day. So we put the dolphin to the side and we said, we'll do the necropsy this evening. Our episode that day was plastic garbage. So we went to the front of the road. The whole road's maybe about three or 400 meters long from the main road to the ocean. We dropped a piece of plastic. We acted like we're eating a bag of chips. Mm. We say, here's your choice. You can throw it in the garbage can. You can put it in your pocket and throw it away when you get home. Or you can do like the majority of the people and you can just drop it where it falls. So we dropped it literally where it fell and followed it as the wind blew. We didn't drop it in the canal. We just dropped it on the ground. The wind blew it into the canal. And then with cameras, we followed it all the way down the canal. And it took about five to 15 minutes for it to hit the ocean. Well, I mean, the guy. Then we, we picked it up. We, did, we didn't leave it there. We picked it up. <laughs> and then we went and got a speedboat and drove around the road around the Double Gulf showing the garbage in the ocean. Mm. See, Daryl, you know. And we said, now you wonder where it comes from. Where we said, and this is why I'm, we're so passionate about it and so happy to, to talk to you. This is happening in the Philippines. As you say, it's happening in China. It's, you know, we buy the research out there, 87% of the world's plastics coming from five rivers uh, within Asia. Look, we know this, but there's still a hell of a lot of pollution coming from all around the world, mm. from America, from, yeah. from the, you know, this yeah. is a global problem exacerbated by what we're seeing in Asia. You're getting it, you know, smacked in the face. And obviously you know, with it, plastic, it's a lot getting, more obvious as well. We get it, we get it so bad because literally you have 110 million people living on 7,600 islands. Of the 7,600 islands, probably only 150 are actually mass inhabitable. The rest of them are just little outcroppings in the ocean. So when you split 110 million people over 150 plus islands that are inhabitable, you're going to get more garbage. You're going to see it more than, say, a continent like America, where if you live in smack dab in the middle of America, it's not going to hit you in the face because it went to the landfill. Well, well yeah, no. Um, I disagree, mate, because... What happens is it goes down a pipe and down into the storm stormwater network, which is out of sight, out of mind. You know, like every time it rains, true, and true. you know what I mean. You guys are seeing it visually, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying yeah. there's anywhere near as much pollution coming from, say, Sydney or Australia than the Philippines. Yeah, but it washes our cities clean, mm. and everyone feels happy. They wake up the next day. Oh God, we had a nice rain event last night. You know, the streets are clean, but the reality is the stormwater networks are conveying not only plastic. But as we know, a whole range of uh, set of pollutants all the way out to our oceans. It's happening in where you are, but it's happening everywhere around the world. Yeah. And and politicians everywhere around the world are bloody ignoring it. Well, the biggest one that got me frustrated on this one was they went in and interviewed one of our main, quote unquote, environmentalist government workers for the city. And they said, we need to stop plastic bags. And she's like, yes. But it's impossible to have it happen, okay? Because there's so much money tied up into these companies in their plastic bags that if they were to stop using it and all of the stock that they already have, they would lose money. So then the question comes down: Are you truly an environmentalist doing it for the country, or are you doing it for the businessman? Mm, wow! And in fact, she was supposed to be on a radio talk show with me this morning. She canceled. Wow! All right. Because Because she knows my view on it. (laughs) 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you've obviously got a very, uh, I guess, a wealth of experience in this area. Like obviously we've spoken a lot about this one whale that's washed up just recently, but you've actually done necropsies for about, Am I right in saying about 61 whales and dolphin carcasses over the yeah. last 10 years? Yes. Is it, is our, this museum, a- our museum opened seven years ago, and in 2015, I was given the highest award to the city by the now president of the country for the work that I do. Oh, well, wow. Well, congratulations. I mean, I, 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 I guess you. you're the type of person that would, would rather, you know, solve the problem than get an award. But do you know what? Your recognition for, for the hard work you're doing, it's commendable, mate. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty inspiring. And is this, is this whale that we've recently, uh, seen just, uh, in the last few days? Is this a consistent, uh, story with, is it, is it consistent with the other sort of 60 whales and dolphin carcasses that you've actually done necropsies for as well in terms of the, of the 60, of the 61, 57 died due to humans. And what was the key cause of death for those 57? For 45 of them, it was plastic. Wow. So out of 45 dolphins and whales that you've done necropsies for, uh, 45 out of the 60 died of plastic ingestion. Yeah. 45 out of the 61 died due to plastic. Now, of the 57 that died directly due to man, that would be fishing nets, dynamite fishing, and plastic garbage, four were pregnant. Wow. That is... Gruesome. So, I mean, that literally that re- literally raises the total death to 65 and 61 due to humans. So, in, in te- and, and that's just where you are, Daryl, you know? Um, as yeah, you said, that's just other, well, my goal. That's just what we recovered. Well, this needs, you know, um, you, you, you're doing the right thing by speaking out. And, um, you know, you mentioned how many other islands, how many other mammals all over the world's oceans are getting killed because of plastic. It's... It's just got to stop, you know. We've, you know, where where we're trying to come is, yeah, you've got to reduce uh, the amount of plastic we're using, um, but we've also got to stop it from getting out there in the first mm. place. And in and in, and in um, countries like ours, we've got the technologies, we've got the infrastructure to do it, mm. and we're not doing it, Daryl. Uh, I mean, it's almost as frustrating as as what you probably are. Um, because you're sitting there and the governments aren't doing thing, doing anything about it. Well, ours know about yeah. this and, and have the means and the education to change and it's just uh, not yeah. having fast enough for us. Yeah, I can't imagine the level of frustration that Daryl must have after 10 years of doing, doing necropsies on 61 you know, dead whales and, and dolphins. It's, it it's a, must be a gruesome, heartbreaking task that you do and you must be incredibly when, frustrated. When these, animal, when these animals die... We do the necropsy, we remove the plastic, 
We process the skeleton and then put it on display in the museum. Mm. Then when people, the thing that just frustrates me to no end is you get field trips. Like tomorrow we have two buses. The field trip comes in, they do the tour. They say, oh, it's so sad that these animals died. And then you, <laughs> I got to watch my language. You watch the kids get back on the bus and throw their chip bag out of the bus as they're pulling out onto the driveway in the parking lot. Yeah. So yeah, that is... Yeah, just uh, like, yeah that's, you just want to grab, like, the, you just grab the kid by the hair and you little. Yeah. We don't, so I don't even come. I don't even go into it when there's the tours anymore because I drag the kids off the bus <laughs> and the, the the staff are like, "Sir, you just need to calm down. You I need can't. to go home." I'm like the little, you know. <laughs> So we, we, we really yeah. don't want you we really don't want you sort of beating up on any kids that's for sure and but what, what and what yeah. we certainly don't want is to be sitting here in, in another ten years time talking about the last uh, another sixty whales and dolphins that you've actually done necropsies for suffering from the same elements so what needs to change what are the solutions and what is realistic Daryl. It, it cannot be the government. I mean, the government has to play their part. They have to be strict. We have the laws. Every country's got its laws pretty much, but it's, there's no teeth on the laws. Or if the penalty is so small, but obviously the, the problem is here, they go overboard with the penalty. Say smoking in public, it's a 10,000 peso penalty. That is the equivalent of two months salary. So guess who they catch? They catch the foreigners that come here and smoke that necessarily didn't know the law because it's a revenue creating law, mm. but they don't enforce it on the poor people because they can't afford the mm. penalty. So was the penalty actually put in place or was the law put in place to protect the citizens from the effects of smoking or was it to create revenue? Yeah. So the, the penalties for say throwing the rubbish in the rivers or whatever needs to be the first one, a day salary. The second one, three day salary. The third one, a month salary. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know what? So that, the, the same things here, Daryl. Well, it, it's actually all around the world. You know, people put in you know laws, and then they don't enforce them. And it's corruptions everywhere. I'm not saying you know Australia's corrupt or the US, but look, <laughs> oh no, corruption, no way, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, getting back to the solution. So, what needs to change in the Philippines, and what needs to change even extend the, the Philippines? It's a it's a three part thing. The laws need to be enforced, not for a week, not for a month. The laws need to be enforced. The government that enacts those laws needs to enforce it. They need to require the schools to educate from kindergarten all the way up to graduating at college the importance of being a clean society. The students need to go outside of their classrooms and clean up the school grounds. They need to not have janitors. The kids need to learn to clean it up. They need to clean outside of their school as well. The, the stores that have vendors that sell junk foods, they need to clean up in front of their stores. They need to clean up the streets in front of it. They sold the rubbish that the person just dropped. Then you need to go to the, the manufacturers. No more selling little tiny sachets of five milligrams of shampoo. You're only allowed to sell the big one. That way you're eliminating 100 sachets per bottle of shampoo. Mm-hmm. You penalize them if they're mass producers of plastic garbage. The biggest producer in this country is Coca-Cola and Nestle. They sell these little eight-ounce plastic bottles that literally look the size of a small apple. You chug it in one drink, and then what are you going to do? You're going to toss it on the ground. There's no refund policy for the plastic bottles. And is there is there waste management infrastructure in place? So if I wanted to put something in a bin? 
garbage bins are hard to find, even in big public areas where they have public markets, because people steal the rubbish bins and sell it by the kilo for the plastic, for the hard plastic. Right. Daryl, can I just pop in here, mate? Do you know, there's an interesting fact that 80% of marine plastic comes from land-based sources and the majority comes from stormwater runoff. Do you know, you see these canals, but do you associate stormwater runoff with this or do you just associate the the educational... This is straight people people chucking it in the canal. Yeah, but how is it getting conveyed out to the ocean is via canals, and then when it rains, it pushes it out. All canals connect to the river, connect to the ocean in yeah. this country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is nowhere where it stops. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when it rains, it's mobilizing this pollution that people have littered, and it's putting them down. You know, the rainwater is physically putting it down into the canal, which feeds out to the river, which feeds out to the ocean. You know, when you look at cities now, I mean, I'm not sure when you've been home last or, you know, back in a big city, when it rains, yeah. that's what it does here. Mm-hmm. Just the, all the concrete from a big city like Sydney is just a perfect way to speed the water up, get the energy, and just you know sweep it clean yeah. and send it yeah. all out. So it's either being the rubbish or the plastic is either being discarded directly on the ground yeah. or directly in what we're calling canals, which are what we'd probably call drains in Australia. Yes, yes. Yeah. The reason why we call it canals here is because a lot of them don't have covers. Yeah. They're just open. So yeah, you can yeah. see the rubbish. So yeah. what's, a, what's a typical canal look like? Is How, how wide would, would one be and how deep would one be? Uh, they have one. We call it Rojas Street. It's two-lane roads on both sides, and it has a three-meter canal that's probably a meter deep in, okay. meter deep of water and three meters wide. Yeah. But when it rains, it'll go up to three meters deep because it's all of the rainwater off the road, off the other smaller mm-hmm. canals, that dump into it. That's one of the bigger canals, I'm, I'm guessing. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 So a lot and then of the rest of them are about a meter, yeah. a meter, a meter wide by a meter deep, and it just flows straight to the bigger ones and straight up. Yeah. Cool. So you've because that, that's one of the biggest misconceptions we find in Australia is that people just don't understand where the majority of plastic pollution comes from. We've recently done a survey. I actually. was. Yeah. I was in the states. The last time I was in the states was 2017, and we were at a place called Coos Bay, Oregon. And on all of their canals, basically, it was a, it had the, or on all of the manhole covers, the manhole covers were these metal grates, but they painted around it to make it look like the cover of the metal grates was the filter of a baleen whale. So it said, all water leads to the ocean. What you dump here, I eat. Mm. Yeah. And and, and we've got that all around the world. And what do you think people keep still doing? Yeah. You know, they they still litter. they, They still litter and... Look, so, so is that is that near Portland, Oregon? It, yeah, it was an artist that they had there. They would go around and paint it on me. So with the garbage, so you go to the you go to the manufacturer. You, they're penalized for producing X amount of plastic. But the problem is that really doesn't change anything. Mm. They'll just change. They'll just pass the penalty on to the consumer. But then the consumer themselves. Mm. That's where the biggest problem because the the manufacturer is not throwing the garbage bag in the ocean. It's the consumer that buys it, takes it home. When you buy, say, one uh, Red Bull drink or whatever, they give you a, a plastic bag for it. Put it in your pocket. You don't need a plastic bag. You're, it's it's already packaged. Put it in your pocket. Mm, mm. So it's, it's it's all this excess plastic when you don't need it. Mm, mm. And then instead of grocery stores 
supplying you grocery bags, you should bring your own cloth bag and reuse it. Yeah, yeah. Look, we've we've, we've introduced that in Australia as well. Like, and it's, it's really common. Like, it was a little bit hard to for most people to sort of get their head around because they just keep on forgetting their yeah. cloth bags. But it's amazing how everyone just does it now. Yeah. It's, it's just a thing. Yeah, yeah. Once they get used to it, I mean, once they get used to it, they go, well, "Why would I have never done yeah. it this way before?" And then the stores save money because they're not buying the plastic bags. Mm. You're saving money for the rubbish bins and everything because like we're saying the Philippines does have a garbage system mm. you drag your garbage those that don't throw it in the canal you drag your garbage to the front of your little your compound or your barangay or whatever you pile it up all on the sidewalk and then a dump truck comes down picks it all up throws it in the back of the dump truck and then takes it out to the landfill right Far out. but when you live on an island the landfill was purchased five years ago and they estimated it had enough land area for 20 years now when they do a landfill here, the way they do is they buy this mountain peak and the other mountain peak and they fill in the valley. Oh, wow. That's a landfill. <laughs> so imagine mountain peak to mountain peak, that water used to run off to the middle of that valley and yeah. wash the water out. Wow. So like just get just a recap of some of those solutions. So there's a uh, you're, you're calling for, I guess, an increased government sort of penalties for um, yes. improper um, Increase on education yeah, for what the cause and what the problem is. Right from from, 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 from kindergarten, kindergarten level yeah. all the way up to college, and then and talk- then the schools have to start making those kids pick up the garbage in front of their school, outside the school, and there has to be more rubbish bins. There has to be bins that say, "This is for your plastic. This is for your glass. This is compost." And actually educate. Compost means your candy, not your candy wrapper, your apple your mango peelings, your banana peelings, but you don't throw your banana peelings in here with the plastic bag. Mm. And then there's the case of uh, looking to reduce single-use plastics and, and banning plastic bags and, and educating the, the, the public about the benefits of doing that. And then you're talking about having discussions or requirements for the manufacturers of various products to reduce their sort of, I guess, plastic generation. In this, country, in this country, the, the predominant thing for shampoo is you buy it in a little sachet that has one-time use worth of shampoo. It's a little plastic sachet. You rip it open, yeah, you like squirt you it on your hand. That's a one-time shampoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. like a hotel. Wow. But it's in a. It's almost like a. It's almost like a ketchup wrapper. Yeah, Imagine like an three 80s little hotel. ketchup things. Yeah. yeah, like an eighties yeah. hotel. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they sell it for five pesos to ten pesos, depending upon the brand that you buy. And the poor people believe that it's cheaper to do it that way than to buy the big bottle of shampoo that you would use at home. Yeah, it's in edu- most education. Yeah. Well, that's, that's yeah. So you buy it. You buy it in the ketchup wrapper for five pesos, or you can buy it in the big box for seventy-five. But they say, well, I only have a limited budget, so it's cheaper to do it this way. Not realizing that for every milligram that they buy in the ketchup wrapper size is actually three times the price of if you bought it in the big bottle. And in addition to those solutions, we're talking about an Im- improvement in, uh, of our of the Philippines' waste management infrastructure system. So more bins, yes. more properly designed and implemented landfill systems. Japan is, a- Japan is actually offered to build in this city alone, this city as the example city, a waste-to-energy um, factory that would basically recycle 90% of the garbage and 10% of it would actually only be going to the landfill. And that 10% would be compost. And they said with wow. their factory they would build here, they could actually start mining the old garbage dumps 
to recover the plastic. Well, that just has to happen. I mean, if, there's, if that's a clean energy way to start consuming it. Well, is it a clean energy yeah. way? Would you consider that a good, the, a practical the solution? The issue that they've, the, this, for me, this would be the solution. It's the plastic that cannot be recycled is put through an incinerator. Now, that's where people get upset is when they hear the word mm. incinerator. Mm. We have coal, coal power plants all over the island. Mm. But the incinerator system that the Japanese would be doing for the Philippines is the same as what they put in the middle of their large city. Oh, now, wow. the dioxin, dioxin is the biggest word, the, the one, the, the dioxin one. Normal air quality has 1.0 dioxins in normal air. The factory would be emitting 0.001 dioxins. Wow. See, that is impressive. So the air coming out of the factory is cleaner than normal air outside. Mm. After it's gone through all of the filtration, because the dioxins are trapped through their filter systems, which are then the, what would be considered the dioxins or the ash or whatever like that, is then sold to the cement factories to be mixed with the cement to make concrete blocks. So everything from that factory would be recycled and emitting less emissions than the coal factory. Why didn't they take it? Because Japan says that this factory would normally cost, I think it's like $70 million. And they're willing to do it for the Philippines for $7 million, without interest, without anything. And they're willing to even do it for free, let them run it for the first five years. That way, the money they make from the recycling, they keep to pay for it. Mm -hmm. The Filipino people said, no, no, no. Why would we let you come do it? We can do it ourselves. Wow. <laughs> it's like the Flintstone <laughs> saying, I don't need a Ferrari. I'll do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, is there, like, that's an that's a, that's a, a, a impressive suite of solutions. Is there anything else that you would like to see implemented within the Philippines to improve the marine pollution? Within system? our city, another, another group in our city takes all of the plastic garbage, they buy, basically, they buy plastic, recyclable plastic, they heat it up and everything, and they're making plastic chairs, plastic tables. But the thing is, when people find out that it was recycled plastic, they're less likely to buy it because, oh, that would be garbage plastic then. If you realize that your your cans that you buy, your sardines or your, your Pepsi can, was made from recycled aluminum, doesn't matter where the material came from as long as it's been recycled. Yeah. So they would rather buy brand new, brand new plastic stuff from China than to buy it from recycled plastic. But that's, that's but for that, me, that's I would tell the government, no more allowing schools to buy plastic chairs brand new from China. You have to buy it from these people that manufacture it from recycled plastic in your country first. Mm -hmm. And obviously it would help to have sort of tax incentives or some sort of subsidy for actually government Hugely, or whatever yes, to hugely. use recycled plastic in whatever infrastructure they might be putting in. Because this country has currently got enough plastic. You don't need to import anymore. No, they have enough that if they recycle their existing plastic, they'd have enough. Yeah, I mean, and there is, and, and, and you're right, Daryl, there is so many people uh, and companies out there coming up with solutions to either burn plastic or how to reuse it. There's a Kiwi company actually that's making plastic bricks to build, mm, you yeah. know, infrastructure. So there is technology coming. And I, you hit the nail on the head. It comes down to the political drivers, you know, yes. the Philippines. And it's then the, that, the big dollar, the big dollar big at the dollar, end of the day. Yeah, exactly. It comes political and education. And, you know, it's, 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 we, we often describe this and, and, and stormwater runoff. Brad's analogy is if your kitchen was, or your kitchen sink was overflowing, you know, the tap was on and, you know, your kitchen's fill, filled up with water. What do you do? Do you go and get the mop 
or do you turn the tap off? What do you do first? <laughs> yeah, you know what no, I mean. So you just move. You just you just move to the next house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, and um, Daryl, like, so what, do you, do you know much about the Australian environment and our waterways down here? Have you been down to Sydney? Are you planning to come? Do you want to come down? Do, you know, no, do you I would. I would love to go to. I would love to go to Australia. If I can describe how this museum works, okay. The museum, we opened it 2012. I borrowed $20,000 from my parents to get to where I'm at with it. And the museum only charges $3 entrance. takes forever to pay back $20,000 on $3. <laughs> and yet the, salaries, the salary for the workers is $100 a day. Mm. So you have to make enough money from $3 entrance to cover your $100 salary for the workers. Now, $100, not very much. I have 11 workers. Wow. So it's not not bad for a hundred dollars for eleven workers, yeah, yeah, yeah. but do it on three dollars three dollars entrance per person, and then if you get a whale, a whale can cost us twenty thousand pesos or four hundred dollars to recover the fuel, the cost of the workers, everything like that. By the time you get that animal recovered, that's not including cleaning and assembling it yet. Oh, wow! So, so that's your. I literally time. dump everything. Yes, I dump everything back into the museum to be able to make the museum better. Wow. Well, like, you, it's, you, it's a noble job. You're a hero, man. You yeah. really are, Daryl. Like, um, and look, obviously, we, we'd like to get your story out there as much as we can. So if we've got some listeners out there with some cash to, uh, you know, that would be willing to be sort of Patreon to the museum and the work that you do would uh, certainly encourage them to get in touch with you for sure. I mean, yeah, we're definitely Excellent. doing that. We would appreciate that. No, we're definitely doing that. Um, just going to, a, you know, in regards to, uh, single-use plastics. Like, plastics have given us a voice, really, Daryl, you know. Here in, 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 in Australia, it's not plastics, really, that, you know, we see, or we see a hell of a lot of plastics, but it's all the other um, pollutants that get washed down our drains every day, and it's the, the smaller ones, you know, the um, heavy metals from your road runoff, you know, the fumes from your cars, the fertilisers, yeah. all yeah, that your stuff. your lead and everything else. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's getting washed down our oceans. Do you think it's time that not only, you know, the Philippines, but do you think it's time Australia and, you know, America and every, the rest of the world, we really need to start watching and cracking down on water runoff and, and the pollution that's getting put out to our oceans around the world. Do you really think it's time we, we need to start to step it up? Nah, I think we need to wait till our kids have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> we've got this saying that says, um, we, we've got this saying that says. It's uh, too much work. You know, our kids will, our kids will be smarter. It's too much work. Yeah, the, I, I, reckon, I, reckon, I reckon you're right in, in this one thing. Our children are relying on us to get this done. Mm. And I don't have any kids, um, um, but I'm just saying it's actually it's not their, you know, it, it's going to be their problem. But it's us that's if putting we it don't. on them. Oh no, I reckon we're there already, mate. I mean, the, it's uh, it's our problem now. It's, it's our, our problem, problem today. It's not know. a problem that's going to be thirty, yeah. fifty years time. But we're, the thing is, though, the thing is, though, we will either be the generation that made the change, yeah, or we yeah. will be like our generation that looked back at the ones that cut down all the redwood forests, that mm. hunted the passenger pigeon to extinction, that wiped out the Tasmanian tiger, that wiped out all the stuff. We'll be the ones going. Wow, how could they have done that? But you know what? We're doing worse. Mm, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And and what we're also seeing is that like uh, the plastic that is actually being disposed of and and running off into waterways and oceans of the Philippines and other sort of Asian countries, and even even like Indonesia, for example, we know that some of the plastic that's 
washing off uh, barley, for example, is actually making its way to the northern sort of um, coastline of Australia. So there's obviously wow. – Yeah, man, it's, it's hitting us. It's hitting us smack in the face, yeah. Daryl, which is, which is, in a way, it's great. It's affecting us. People go, oh, Asia, it's out of sight, out of mind in Australia. Well, it's coming down, down here at a, at a ton of rate. Yeah, so, so uh, like well, – come on, uh, come on. Let me, let me ask you guys. Wasn't Australia founded that way? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a Kiwi. <laughs> and we're considering sending oh, him back. Okay. I can tell you that right yeah. now. Yeah, but, Kiwi, Kiwi was the security guard. Yeah. <laughs> but look, uh, obviously, like, uh, uh, Asia, is a ma- Asia is a major source of pol- plastic pollution. We recognise yeah. that. But it's actually yeah. affecting our local beaches in Australia, which is incredible. What, what, what can actually Australia or even Australians do to help uh, mitigate the plastic pollution uh, problem in Asian countries, such as Philippines and Indonesia. So what, what can we do? This whale, I believe, I believe that this whale is going to start doing it, but it has to be the continued pressure. Yep. It has to be Australia making a fuss about it, saying, hey, you know, we really don't like your garbage coming here. We we're going we're gonna to put an embargo on your country's imports to our country if we keep getting your country's trash making it to our beaches. Well, I, I reckon... We uh, will not allow our people to go do tourism to your countries if your country's trash continues coming here. I, I, I reckon, just as an idea, you need to give the whale a name. You know, this is just another whale. You know, that you, okay, it, this whale... This whale, here's here's something for you. This whale, we've usually given them names. This whale died on the celebration of Aromandavo, which is the celebration of the founding of Davo City. Aro means day. This whale started the day that people started to make a change. There we go, mate. There we it. go. Because you're right. It is not about today. It's tomorrow. This, this shit's going to keep on happening. It's yeah. right now. we got to take care of it today. Yeah, I agree. And look, as we've sort of uh, said a couple of times, whatever we can do to sort of help uh, spread your message and support your cause, Daryl, and like I said before, you're doing incredible work um, to raise awareness around the uh, the scourge of plastic pollution in our ocean. Uh, the more that we can do to sort of support you in that in that sharing that message and and in, in increasing that community awareness, please just uh, we're more than happy to help in any way we can. We appreciate that very much. I will be getting you more videos, not just from this whale, but whales, dolphins, and even sea turtles that we've had just in the last few years here. Oh, wow. So you can see what we're seeing and what we're working with. What we've tried to do is take it not just from the education of recover the whale, find out why it dies, but to go the next step forward, show the animal in the museum so that it's not, okay, here's why it died, and then we dispose of it. We still have these animals sitting here then with the plastic garbage so that this died because of this. Mm. In fact, one of the, the, on one of the shows that I have, the, the closing statement we say on the end of the show is, life is a journey full of choices and consequences. Which path will you take? You know, some people want to take the easy path or take the shortcut on it, but it does have its consequences in the end. Yeah, no, we, we we're not interested in taking the easy easy walks home. No. We're in it for the hard road. I, I, I'm not I'm not sure if uh, we're as uh, strong and uh, capable of uh, doing ten years of uh, sixty necropsies of dolphins and whales, but we're certainly more than happy to get our hands dirty. But um, look, it's, but what it's, you guys are doing, I can't be the one that's always on the radio. Yeah. What you guys are doing 
by spreading it this way, it's the same as a body. Mm. You, everybody can't be the hand. Everybody can't be the foot. And I guarantee you, everybody doesn't want to be the ass. <laughs> <laughs> we need every single, we need every single piece of that body part to be able to function. Yeah. And we're we have- doing the work with the museum. We're going out and recovering these animals, but somebody has got to be the mouth that's spreading it on the internet and everything else. I couldn't commit all that time to be doing that. Yeah. Well, we, we, we certainly love to, we certainly love the sound of our own voice and we love doing podcasts. We love spreading the message of, 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 of <laughs> ocean protection, et cetera. And I think we're also in a, in a very fortunate position where we have the, uh, the power of social media. Like we have this ability for you to sort of, uh, film a necropsy, uh, one day and, and the next day, have it spread like wildfire across NBC, Huffington Post, ABC News, and obviously on various social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever. Well, that, that's the thing, um, Daryl. You need to give us something exclusive that, that <laughs> Australia hasn't seen or the media, and we will get this in mainstream uh, media. So any footage that has not been shared with anyone and you want to share it with us, um, plus your, we, we, we want the details of your museum so we can start pushing that mm. out to raise awareness uh, if you want to share your email or your Facebook information with us we will put that out we will do anything we can to help you mate because you're a true champion and um, you know I, I believe you know yeah I, I believe in you mate so yeah. it's, it's just been a pleasure to, to, to listen to you and I'm hoping this isn't actually the last time we talk to Daryl like obviously we've, we've taken up a lot of your time already Daryl and we really appreciate yeah, your, your time because I know you must be absolutely exhausted. You must be pulled in so many different directions. But look, we, we would actually just be – we've actually been completely stoked with your um, – you know your interest in actually participating in this podcast. I would love to. I would love to do another podcast <laughs> with you guys in the next few days as well, and oh. even in the future. Yeah, oh, we, mate, we'd, love, we'd love. We'd love to. Honestly, that would be. Yeah, that would make our day. Oh mate, you're a champion. Go get some rest, Daryl. You are a true champion, and we're going to help. Uh, the sleep story, is mate. sleep is <laughs> sleep is a sign of caffeine deprivation, <laughs> mate. Look, yeah. Look again. Uh, just to echo uh, Jeremy's sentiments. Look from, from the bottom of our hearts, uh, Daryl. We, we we do really genuinely think that the work that you do is absolutely awe-inspiring. It's so important and it's so crucial and, and we just uh, absolutely stoked that you've actually come on this podcast and shared your story and we really hope the we really hope to do it again and we also obviously wish you all the very best of luck in the future. You're doing Thank amazing work. Thank you very work. much and I look forward to hearing from you guys again. We'll talk to you later. Bradley, you're, you're quiet for once. I'd say it's the most interesting conversation I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I totally to, agree. To have I'm a guy, blowing. this is a guy who, out of his own pocket, he goes and recovers the carcasses of dolphins and whales. He's recovered sixty-one carcasses, and forty-five of those sixty-one um, animals had died because of plastic ingestion. He goes out out of his own pocket, and he's doing some gruesome work, literally uh, performing essentially an autopsy on a dead whale, cutting the belly open. And look, the the footage has to be seen to be believed. He's literally pulling out just massive lumps and sheets and of plastic, plastic bags, plastic sacks. Uh, I mean, we didn't gruesome. even go into it. I mean, it was just so much information to try mm. and. Mm. You know, obviously he's giving up his time. He's mm. absolutely buggered. He hasn't mm. set for 24 hours. I mean, look, we can't wait. He said he was going to talk to us again in the, in the coming days and we're definitely going to talk to him. I mean, mm. you know, the breakdown of where that rubbish is coming from, well, obviously he gave us yeah. an indication, but we need to find out more and we need to share more 
with the world because yeah. as he dropped in there, uh, they aren't as bad as China. Look, it's interesting. Like, so he's at the sort of, I guess, coalface of plastic pollution, rescuing or recovering these yeah. bodies of mam- mammals and other species, and and seeing literally the, the insides of their stomachs and seeing it's plastic. But he had a very good understanding of where that plastic comes from. It's coming from the land. He says the he said the the public are either uh, the the public are essentially discarding the litter on the ground. Or directly into what he termed canals, which sound kind of like like um, drains. So essentially, the water, the the the, the pollution is either directly um, discharged or thrown onto the drainage system, or it flows into the drainage system um, when it rains. And you know that. So essentially, the 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 stormwater essentially conveys all that pollution out into the marine environment. And this is what pisses me off, Brad. I mean, they are, as he said, it's all about education. Those kids are going into the museums, coming mm. out, seeing what they see, and throwing it straight. You know, throwing their litter straight out. You know, we are well, better educated. We are, mm. and yet we have the technologies, we have the governments to stop this instantly in our urban cities around the world, not just Australia, but America, Europe. And, and and we're not, you know, we're, we're letting these people down. I mean, mm. hopefully they, you know, we can stem the, the tide of plastic pollution coming out of Asia. Yeah. But it's going to keep coming out of the rest of these cities and talking to people and raising awareness and putting pressure. As he said, it'll go away in a couple of days. Mm. They'll forget about him. Mm. You know, it'll be on to the next one. We, It's up to us, mate. After yeah. hearing that, I, I'm actually physically drained. Mm. Um, and it almost got emotional about it, mate. At the end of the day, we're custodians of this planet. It's a, it is our responsibility to look after it, not just for our, the benefit of the inhabitants that, uh, in terms of wildlife, um, dolphins, whales, turtles, whatever, but it's also important for our own health. Um, and the more we essentially pollute it, impacts us. But it's really interesting what he sort of indicated to me was also in the conversation was the solutions that he talked about are very consistent with what we've been talking about as well. You know, government, improving legislation, increasing the penalties yeah, it's for just, pollution. It's, it's just far worse you know, over there. Oh, it's it's it, a, it, far more visual. It is a visual, like plastic on the ground, Coke cans, um, wrappers, plastic bags, etc. It's a very visible pollutant. But um, equally, um, the pollutants that we often – um, talk about and try and target with, with some of our technologies are less visible, but equally, or at least that they are certainly very, very damaging. Perhaps not at the same scale as the plastic that we're sort of seeing in the, in the bellies no, of these. It's giving, it's it's starting the conversation, mate. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, you know, the way I see this evolving, this ocean protect, you know, what we're trying to achieve. Mm. Plastic, as we've said, is giving us a voice. Yeah. We, we're going to start there and along the way mm. educate people because people will be like, oh, what else is but coming yeah, out? But, yeah, getting back to those solutions, so we talk about government. We've talked about improving um, government legislation and enforcing government legislation. It was very consistent with what, what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. I know. Second thing was about education. community education. We talked about getting, the, getting kids right from the kindergarten level and upwards 
uh, having an improved understanding of, of plastic, where it comes from, the damage it causes. We're talking about that. We want uh, a, a marine uh, um, pollution module in, educa- in in New South Wales schools by 2022. We're talking about rolling a, a, a similar sort of educational module within Australian schools at a later well, date. Well. It's got to be done globally because yeah. uh, let's not start in Australia. We, we, we just talked out in the balcony. Uh, Ocean Protect is a symbol that we've created and, and, and I think, I feel that we need to take this to the rest of the world and yeah. hopefully by talking about it, it starts the conversation. Yeah. Who knows where it's going to end up, but when we can get more people like this sharing their yeah. stories getting it out to mainstream media, people cannot ignore it. Yeah, So, and get, getting back to the solution, so education, you talked about improved infrastructure, waste management infrastructure. And obviously if you have a sort of a, a waste management collection um, um, landfill or incineration system, whatever, waste to energy, you also need stormwater management infrastructure as well, which, we've, which, which obviously we're very familiar with. And then we're actually talking about, you know, reducing our – consumption or production of plastics, you know, banning plastic bags, reducing single-use plastics. And we need to have, create an actually circular economy as, a, as opposed to a produce and throw away society. It's ridiculous. Are you hungry? Always. Yeah, let's go, Nate. Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.